man, as we were singing those songs uh, this morning, um, I couldn't help, I was a bit overwhelmed just thinking about heaven, thinking about eternity, uh, of what it means that we get to spend forever with God in paradise. And that is something that I've longed for for each and every one of us in here. And I think sometimes we get it mixed up. We sang about it, I think, in every single song today in some way or another. Um, but it is a free gift. The gift of salvation that, that God offers through Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, that is a free gift of salvation that is available to anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So I just want to, I wanted to put that out there this morning as we jump into the word of God together, that if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you haven't turned, the Bible says repent, to turn away from your sin and to turn to God, um, that times of refreshing and newness and rebirth will come. Uh, may today be that, to that day. Um, so let's just pray together. Um, and then we'll, we'll jump into the word. Lord God, I just pray over this time. If there's any person in here who has not received that, that free gift of salvation, it's nothing that we could ever earn. We don't have to do enough things to prove that we deserve it. We will never deserve uh, salvation. We will never deserve forgiveness. But that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus lived the perfect sinless life. So that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, for eternity, but would rather have everlasting life. God, I pray that you would just impress on our hearts the reality of that, uh, that you would give us a renewed, for those who believe and call themselves followers of Jesus, a renewed passion, a renewed joy for the reality that we have been born again, that, that we have been welcomed into your family as your children, um, no longer slaves to sin, no longer slaves to fear, but children of God with an inheritance uh, of eternity with you. Lord, bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man. Okay. So the book of James is where we are. Today we're in James 1, 13 through 17, if you'd like to turn there. Uh, the book of James is the first letter of the New Testament. We talked about that last week written by the blood brother of Jesus. Um, James was, uh, his parents were Mary and Joseph. James became a leader in the early church in Jerusalem and was writing this letter to the dispersed, the scattered Christians living unsettled and persecuted in a culture much opposed to the faith that they were trying to live out. James cut to the chase and was no nonsense in this letter that is just as timely for us today in 2024 as it was nearly 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to give you a last week's recap really quick, and then we're going to dive in. So last week we learned about trials, or we, called, we talked about stress, and there's five truths, there's five facts, there's five realities about the stress or the trials that we experience in this life. They are predictable. Trials are not a matter of if, but of when. Trials are problematic. Uh, trials are varied and multifaceted, though they are temporary. They are paradoxical, meaning uh, the Christian is called to look ahead beyond the trial so that they can have joy in the trial. They are purposeful. They produce purity 
perseverance, perfection, and they draw us to prayer. And then finally, trials are profitable. First Peter says this, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So today, we're talking about a different kind of trial in our lives. We're sticking in the trial theme, right? James is for us. And we're talking about temptation. Now, raise your hand if any of you in here experienced temptation. Come on, this is like an exercise moment for everybody, right? Hmm. All right, let's read this. James 1, 13 through 17. I'll pick it up in verse 12, all right? This is how we ended last week. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Then James continues here. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Amen? It's important for us first that we have an accurate definition of the word temptation. Temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. We can be tempted in many, many ways, right? We all can think of this in our, in our own lives, maybe even ways today that we were tempted to do something that we shouldn't do or that we should avoid. But there are different categories. Some of them we think would maybe, maybe be more obvious like substance, abuse, uh, like lust, temper, um, issues around surrounding money, uh, dishonesty, the words that we use, are they to build up or to tear down or gossip, how we treat our family members, our immediate family members, and yes, even our extended family members, how we talk about our neighbors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all areas that I think we, to some degree, are tempted in, sometimes very regularly. So two things also that we need to clarify as we jump in. Is temptation a sin? And what is the source of temptation? Now, I'm here to tell you today, this is a truth from God's word, temptation itself is not a sin. Okay? How do we know this? Well, God's word spells it out for us. Um, Matthew 4 Verse 1, this is a very famous passage of Scripture where Jesus himself, God's Son, who was perfect, who was without sin, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. And Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest, uh, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet, he did not sin. All right, we good on that one? So, being tempted is not a sin. What is the source? Well, from, from verse 13, we know that it is not 
God who causes us to, to be tempted. James 1.13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Maybe you guys have heard the phrase, oh, the devil made me do that. Have you ever heard that? Maybe we've been guilty of saying that. It can be a popular excuse um, when we give into temptation or just do something kind of stupid. Um, we do know that Satan is God's enemy, that he is a deceiver, that he is the father of lies, and that the Bible says that he, he um, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. However, I do think that we oftentimes give Satan too much credit for our own wrongdoing. You know, it's important to note that Satan, God's adversary, his enemy, is not everywhere at the same time. He is not omnipresent. Only our God is omnipresent, all places at once. He does have demons that serve him, and they go from place to place, seeking to uh, carry out his mission. But I think we still give Satan too much credit sometimes. See what James says about the source of our temptation, starting in verse 14. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So it's our, our own evil, our sinful nature, often referred to as the flesh, that is the main source of our own temptation. You know, this is, this is sounding pretty bad right now, isn't it? Um, this can be frightening, if we're honest. Temptation happens when a desire within us is encouraged to act. Notice that word in verse 13, dragged. Uh, Phil, can you put this picture up on the screen? This is kind of what I think of when I think of temptation, okay? He is dragging himself away. Even though he doesn't want to do it, his feet are stuck in the ground. There are tracks that he's maybe fighting against this, but he knows the good thing that he should do, and yet he doesn't do it. The Bible calls that sin, and we are all led by our own sinful nature into that. We are tempted. There's, an, there's this inward tension that we have as followers of Jesus. Let's take a moment here to reflect on our own desires. Are they in line with God's principles? Consider the choices that you make daily, the situations that you put yourself in, the people that you surround yourself with. Are they encouraging or inhibiting your ability to withstand temptation? Are your choices setting you up to give in or to withstand? And James picks it up in verse 15 with a powerful word picture. Let's start in verse 13 of reading, though. So when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Check out this pregnancy metaphor that James is using. One commentator says, Our choice of sin is described as conceiving a child, and that child is sin. Conceiving a child is initially invisible to onlookers. The pregnant woman can feel the difference, but if she desires, she can conceal the pregnancy from onlookers for quite some time. In a similar way, 
when initially conceived, sin might only be known within ourselves. James then paints, uh, then pictures this pregnancy being carried to term and the child is born. It's an ugly baby, so to speak. The baby is sin. In this case, it's our choice to indulge evil that leads to sin being born from us. At some point, sin can no longer be hidden. It is now birthed. It is in the open. And sin itself is then pictured as growing up. The child becomes an adult. Sin is accomplished. And the consequence of sin growing up is that it brings forth death. The grown-up consequence of sin is death and separation. Now, death means separation here. So this death could involve any number of separations. It could be the destruction of a relationship that might be the consequence of adultery. It could be the loss of ministry as a consequence of a tarnished reputation. It could be the squandering of the opportunity to be a good steward. And it can also involve physical death. So, what does James say we're supposed to do when we face temptations? Look at verse 16, okay? Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. He's saying, don't fall for it. Don't get tricked. Don't give in to the impulse or emotion. Don't give in. So how do we as followers of Jesus navigate temptation? All right. How do we do this? All right. First of all, I'm going to give you some tools here, but it's through the grace of God that we are able to withstand temptation. Amen? It's through a renewing of our mind. We talk about that a lot here at Living Stones. I'm not conforming to the pattern of the world, Romans 12 says, but renewing our mind and being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It doesn't mean we're not going to mess up, all right? But it means we have a source, and we're going to get into that, of helping us. And here's the good news, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is one of my favorite verses. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, okay? Check this out. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But he will also, when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So, who has ever watched the show Alone on the History Channel? Come on now. This is my favorite show. I absolutely love this show. Uh, I've watched every season, and I, I've watched a couple of the seasons twice. I don't watch a whole lot of shows except this. And I follow a lot of the guys who have won, the participants who have won in the past. I follow their YouTube channels. And the idea of the show is that there's 10 contestants. They are given a certain um, perimeter of land that they can stay on, and they have to survive alone. The longest one standing wins. They have to film everything themselves, and they're only provided with 10 items, 10 tools that they can bring along on their journey. It's incredibly intriguing, and uh, they pick their 10 items. They're very intentional about these items, these tools. What's going to give me the most bang for my buck, so to speak, when I'm out there alone? What's going to help me navigate these trials and these hardships that I'm willingly stepping into because I know there's a reward, uh, $500,000 or whatever the reward is. Different seasons have different amounts. Uh, I'm willingly stepping into these trials, these hardships, with a limited amount of tools, but I think I can do this. I think I can endure this. I absolutely love this show. If anyone ever wants to watch it with me, just let me know. Uh, 
Uh, it's awesome. And here's, no, would I ever do, I would love to go be alone for like a shortened, like not thinking like I don't know the end date, right? Uh, the longest person has lasted 100 days. Um, some people last only one or two days and they have big goals and aspirations, right? Um, I would like to be with a couple people, but I think it would be probably healthy for my, we don't need to talk about this. I would like to go alone for a little bit, so. Anyone else have any questions? <laughs> uh, well, man. So, today I'm going to give us four tools, okay? Four tools that are going to help us navigate the waves, the trials of temptation. The first one is on the screen. It's God's Word. We, we talk about this here, Living Stones, guys, because this is so important. This is our compass. This is the lens through which we view our circumstances and our situations. Amen. God's word says in Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you, God. I know the word of God and it's a tool for my life. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And instruction for us here is when we are in situations uh, God's word says uh, situations that are going to lead us into temptation, that are going to potentially lead us to do something that we know we shouldn't do, that we should flee. And when we think of flee, do we think of like a slow back away, maybe like move away from it? No, we think like turn and run, right? Sometimes that's what we need to do when we're in those situations of temptation. I want to plug really quick our Bible reading plan. Um, you can grab one, a physical one in the back, we have the New Testament reading plan, five minutes a day, five days a week, and five ways to dig deeper. Um, I've, I've had a couple people tell me that they're doing this, but I would love to see more people from our church body, our church family, um, be a part of that. Real basic introduction into reading God's word, learning what it says, and what does that mean for me. And then also, if you just wanted a New Testament chart, like a checklist where you can see all the books and all the chapters, I have a bunch of those in the back as well. But we got to get into God's word for us to uh, have that tool with us at our disposal. God's word is how one way, one of the tools that we have to navigate temptation. Second one is God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says this, So I say, walk by the spirit. And what will happen if you do that? Well, you will not gratify, you will not indulge the desires of the flesh. There are, there is fruit that is produced in a follower of Jesus's life as they walk in the spirit. Those are called the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What's the last one? Self-control, right? He leaves it for the end, and I think maybe that's because of a lot of us as humans struggle with that one so much to be self-controlled, to be disciplined in our actions and in our thoughts. John 14, 26, the Amplified Version says this. This is Jesus' words here, and I love how it expounds or it amplifies. But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, so the helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, 
will teach you. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you, Jesus says. God doesn't leave us alone, all right? Jesus actually said, it's better for me that I leave, he told us, his followers, than if I stay. Because when I, when I leave, I'm going to send with, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit who will be with you wherever you go, who will help you, who will help guide and direct your path, who will tap you on the shoulder, who will remind you of the word of God in circumstances when you need to remember that, to what it means to uh, withstand or um, stand up against uh, the temptations of the world. James 1.5 says, if anyone, we read this last week, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously, okay? And so if we are ever in a situation uh, in temptation where we need to navigate through this, we need to just cry out to the Lord, God, help me right now. I need your help. And he will. He will. All right. The third tool, Danielle and Walter, they talk about this, God's people. Fellowship is a Christian word that we use, right? People that are united um, under Christ, they believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, that they want to live their life for him. We recognize that we need one another. We need a community of people to encourage us, to... Uh, help correct us, to um, be present for us, to listen, to help us navigate hardship. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this about God's people. Let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but rather encouraging one another. Now, I always tell people, uh, in small group situation or one-on-one, um, the level of honesty, the level of transparency that you're going to bring to a group, like a small group here at Living Stones, um, that is going to determine what you get out of it. That is going to help, um, if, if we're not transparent in our groups, if we're struggling with something and we don't want to talk about it, or our marriage is off, like in a hard situation and we're like, you know what? I'm not going to tell my group about this. I don't want to feel judged. Um, this is a place of grace. And we want our, our groups, our group's ministry, to be a place where you can be honest and open and transparent with one another so that you can experience uh, healing. I'm going to share a verse about that here. Confess your sins, James says later in chapter 5. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. About being honest with each other, you can go back one slide, Phil. It says in Colossians, it says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. We've taken off the things of the world and we're rather, um, in that passage later, it says, Clothe yourself. We talked, I, I shared a message about this last year, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with self-control. We take things off, we put them on so that we can be better for those around us, and we need to be surrounded by God's people. 1 John 1, 7 says this, if we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship, a unity, a togetherness with one another. 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Has anybody heard the phrase, anytime friend? Like, I need an anytime friend, or I, I had, I used to call it, like, I had a 2 a.m. friend, like someone I could count on at any time of the day, in any situation, to help me out. All right? Maybe you have water flooding in your basement, and you need to have that 2 a.m. friend in the middle of the night who's going to come over and help you. Or maybe you're just in a hard situation, and you need someone to talk with. You're like, oh, man, I just need someone that I can confide in, um, that I can be encouraged by, someone who's not going to... Um, sugarcoat something, but is going to shoot straight with me, who's going to help me because I need that in my life. I need to be sharpened and refined. That is the anytime friend. And I'd encourage you, if you don't have someone like that, um, to ask someone uh, to cult maybe cultivate that through a relationship in a, in a small group or a close family member. Uh, but I'd encourage you to have someone for, for any time. Right? Another way we do this as God's people, as we gather, that verse I read in Hebrews. Um, we're here today. We're attending. We're, we're glorifying God. We're being built up. We're being encouraged. We're being challenged. Hopefully, we're being sharpened to be more like Jesus. Also, speaking of groups, so next Sunday, we mentioned our membership class. Next Steps, I think is what we're going to call it, is going to kick off. And we love we have seven people who have RSVP'd so far, which I'm super pumped about, um, but I'd love to see more of you there um, who are interested in being a member. Just because you attend the class doesn't mean you have to become a member, but um, I think you'd be encouraged to come and you'll learn some things, you'll grow and um, just uh, grow in the, in the Lord through that. But also next Sunday, we're starting a small group at that same time, so like 1045, 1050-ish until 1150. If you're not in a small group, and you've wanted to be in one, or you've thought about it, but there, you just, maybe there's, there doesn't seem like there's a group that's been like a good fit for you, or um, some of the groups are full, and we get that. Um, we'd like to invite you next Sunday to be a part of a small group. Um, we're going to meet every other week through the school year, and this is like a big on-ramp opportunity, okay? And we're going to have an off-ramp opportunity too, so you don't feel like you need to stay a part of this thing forever and get matching tattoos and stuff, right? Uh, but if you'd like to join a group or just try it out, we would love for you to try that out. You can write um, group on your connection card, or you can send an email or talk to Lori or I afterwards, and we'd love to get you signed up for that. Um, if you don't sign up, you can still come, all right? But uh, we're going to be just talking about um, the message, and a lot of our groups do that, and um, pulling things out, and what does that mean for us in our everyday life? And so I'd love for you to join one of those. Where's Jason at? He's in the back. Jason, you going to be there? All right. All right, good. I know you're going to be there. All right, and then the fourth tool is prayer. This is God's communication with us. Mark 14, 38, Jesus says this. Watch and pray. Why should I watch and pray? So that you will not fall into temptation. You see, the spirit is willing, Jesus says, but the flesh is weak. All right, Paul uh, a writer of much of the New Testament writes about this kind of stuff a lot. I know the good I shouldn't do, and yet I do it. Why is that so? And then Jesus says in uh, the Lord's Prayer, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We sang about that today, um, the deliverance that comes 
through calling on the Lord in prayer. Prayer is powerful. It's, it's um, often underutilized. Um, I once heard a pastor say, um, you can tell how popular the church is by the attendance on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor is by the attendance at the Sunday night event. And you can tell how popular God is by uh, the attendance at the prayer meeting. <laughs> right? Um, but I'd just like to encourage each and every one of us, whether the muscle of prayer has been um, exercised in your life and you are growing in that and, and you have a really robust time of prayer with the Lord, or maybe you're like, you know what, I say a five-second prayer before meals and before bed if I remember it. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you to exercise that muscle of prayer and to cry out to the Lord. Um, every, week, every year at Living Stones, we have a prayer week. This is going to begin February 14th. It's one week of very intentional time set aside to pray. Um, as individuals, we'll have, uh, we have a resource, that, a little book that you're going to be able to get um, that's going to be like a devotional with a journal uh, with prayer prompts. Um, you can do that as a couple or as a family, as a small group. But we're also going to have every day three different times for prayer, 6 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. We did this last year and um, kind of burst out of that process. We had our little prayer meeting over here. Someone said, hey, we're going to just keep doing this, right? We're going to do this. And so that prayer group, the 6 a.m. prayer group, has met, I believe, every Wednesday since prayer week of last year. They come in here at 6 a.m. Um, sometimes there's just a, one or two people. Sometimes there's six or seven or eight. Um, and they just spend time praying. Some people duck out early to start their commute to Wyzetta High School, right? But uh, people just come and go for that. And I'd encourage you um, to come check that out. That's at 6 a.m. And then we also have one at 6.15 on Wednesdays. Um, at, in the evening. So like during youth group, some, some of the people who serve meals will then go into the um, office upstairs and pray. Prayer Week Plus is what we're calling it this year because we're partnering with uh, our affiliation, Converge. They're doing a 21 days of prayer and it starts the same day that we were starting Prayer Week. And so we're going to have a bit of an extended time. But that first week is really like drinking a concentrated orange juice right out of the freezer, right? Like we're just providing as many opportunities as possible to grow in and exercise that muscle of prayer. All right. James 1.17, we're going to wrap up with this. James 1.17 says this. He just, he just said all this stuff, right? Persevere through trials. Consider it joy. Blessed are you who persevere, that you can endure it for the crown of life that is to come. Don't, like, oh, don't be deceived. What else does he say? Don't be dragged away by your own sinful, evil desires to give into temptation. And then he ends with this. All right, he continues with this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Nothing that comes through temptation turns out to be good. Fair? What pleasures promise us are fleeting 
and temporal. They simply do not last, and they end up leaving us more empty and desiring being filled than before. Everything good that you have in life comes from God. Can we recognize that this morning? Every good and perfect gift, all the good that you desire only comes from God. Everything else we are tempted with is a cheap counterfeit that simply will not last. God doesn't change no matter your circumstance or your season of life. He is not like the shadows or the seasons. I think sometimes in trial, in hardship, when we're in situations of temptation, we want to blame God or think that God has changed his character. But he hasn't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And what perseverance through trial, through temptation, what it produces in the Christian is a perfect and good gift from God, right? Sometimes hard for us to wrap our mind around, but James is spelling it out for us as simply as he knows how. And I'm trying to explain it to us as best as I know how. It's paradoxical. It doesn't quite make sense. But in the kingdom of God, that is, that's how it works. And we experience the blessing. I heard a quote a couple weeks ago that says, a Christian is kind of like a tea bag. You don't know what they're made of until they're put in hot water. Think about that. You can look around this room and you can see people who have been in hot water, some hard situations, right? And you can see those who have persevered and are continuing to persevere through that. You're blessed. Your testimony is a blessing to others, isn't it? And it causes me and it causes many other, many others to give praise and glory to God. So what does it mean to remain faithful in hard times? It means continuing to acknowledge that God is the source. Everybody say, God is the source. He's the source of everything that is good in our lives and everything that will be good in the future. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you recognizing that everything good that we have comes from you. We are not the creators of our own good. We are not the earners of that. But it is through your blessing that, that we experience good and perfect gifts that come through perseverance, that come through connect, being connected to you through your word, through the Holy Spirit, through your people, and through prayer. Let's just take a moment now in the quiet to think of one of these areas of our life that we need to ask God for help in. Maybe it's more than one. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. Let's just do that right now. Lord God, we thank you for your grace that it is sufficient, it is enough. That even in our weakness, your power is made perfect. So God, we want to hang on to you. We want to hold on to you as we navigate the trials of temptation in our life. We want you to be the first one that we run to, that we go to. 
that we would experience your loving embrace, your forgiveness, your overwhelming and unconditional love. And I pray that we would even experience that right now in this room. Lord, your word says that we all fall short of your glory. None of us are perfect. None of us can do it on our own. But there is forgiveness through the cross. We thank you for that. Lord, give us the perseverance to bring you glory in our lives. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have an amazing week, everybody. Hope to see you back here next Sunday.